Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. It was just five days before Christmas, last December, when St. Louis Mayor Lyda Krusen pulled the plug on the city's exploration of airport privatization. She was a guest on this very show when she said she'd heard from the people, and she had become convinced that St. Louis was not ready to contract with a private company to run airport operations. One of the things... um that I've been doing for the last year and a half, and of course it's been more intense over the last, say, six months as this really ramped up, is I've been listening to people. Mm -hmm. I've been listening to our residents. I am out there in neighborhood meetings several times a week. I've been listening to our business community, uh, and I've been listening to other elected officials. And frankly, I think that's what leaders do. Leaders listen. Uh, We don't have all the answers, and so we've got to listen to folks. And so in that listening, what what I observe is that there's really very little support in our community for moving forward with a private operator at our airport. So we're at a, 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 the, a fork in the road here. We have, as you mentioned, received the responses to the RFQ, but we have not issued the request for proposals yet. Mm-hmm. And so today I ask my representative, Linda Martinez, Uh, not to vote in favor of issuing that request for proposal. Uh, That's rather big news, perhaps, but I think it's really important that we listen to people and listening to our residents, listening to our business community, and listening to other elected officials. There is, you know, we would have been the first, the first in the U.S. When you're the first at something, there's a lot of risk, There's a lot of trepidation um, and a lot of concern. And I just think, you know, there's there's too much of that for us to move forward with this. So by asking your representative, Deputy Mayor Martinez, um, not to support moving forward with this RFP, does this mean the city's exploration of airport privatization is dead? It is. And that was St. Louis Mayor Lyda Krusen speaking to me on this show five months ago. But now airport privatization is back in a big way. A group with funding from Rex Sinkfield, uh, the libertarian billionaire, gathered petitions, and they say they have enough to force it onto the ballot this fall. Meanwhile, the St. Louis Board of Aldermen has been debating putting its own very similar measure on the ballot. It could see final approval as early as this Thursday. And so my guest today is here to get us up to speed on how we got here, who's pushing these initiatives, and what happens next. Corinne Ruff is the St. Louis public radio reporter who's been covering this issue now for more than a year. So Corinne, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So five months ago, Mayor Lyda Krusen announced this was all over, but now we've got these two different plans. Let's start with the one involving signatures. Um, Who is behind this particular initiative? Yeah, so this is a group called St. Louis Rising, and I think that's a great place to start, actually, because this effort actually picks up right after um, Mayor Krusen pulled the plug on the city-backed effort. So this new group is called St. Louis Rising. It's being spearheaded by the St. Louis City NAACP and the St. Louis Kansas City Carpenters Regional Council. They're more commonly known as the Carpenters Union. But both of these groups together endorsed privatization just before Krusen ended the process. And so in January, they they put out a statement saying, hey, we want to find a way to keep this going. Um, That materialized in this signature gathering campaign to get a charter amendment on the ballot in November. Mm -hmm. Um, Their their timeline got a little thrown off as a lot of things have got thrown off by the coronavirus pandemic. So 
they really got to work getting those signatures in May, and then they submitted them to the Board of Elections last Monday. Okay, so, so they, they turned in these signatures to the Board of Elections. Does that mean they're good to go and this thing is going to be on the ballot? Well, not exactly. So the the Board of Elections says they've received the signatures. They're about halfway through verifying them. They got, uh, well, the excuse me, but the St. Louis Rising says they've submitted 38,000 signatures. I think the Elections Board is still trying to figure all that out. So that puts their deadline at this Thursday. They could finish sooner, but I think they've just got to cram through and see how many of those are, are valid. Um, the effort does need a solid 20,000 signatures that are valid. Um, now, Thursday, they the, the Board of Elections will say, hey, you got it or you don't got it. If you don't have it, they actually get an extra 20 days to submit more signatures. Okay, so they turned this in with a fairly big cushion. Sounds like they had 18,000 signatures uh, that could get thrown out and still have enough here, but they would even get more time even after that. Yeah, absolutely. And the Board of Elections says, hey, that's always the best practice. Turn in more than you need because you never know if you get a signature if someone actually is a registered voter in St. Louis. They might live in the county or elsewhere. So they definitely have a cushion, but it looks like they do have a, a backup plan. If if they don't have enough verified signatures, they sort of get a little bit of extra time to get some more. Now, when I mentioned this particular initiative, the St. Louis Rising, I did mention the name Rex Sinkfield. What does he have to do with this? Yeah, that's a good point. So uh, maybe it's a good idea to sort of start about how this how this came about. So Adolphus Pruitt is the head of the city-led NAACP, and he told me he approached Travis Brown about this idea in January, you know, right after the mayor pulled this idea, the city-backed process. So Travis Brown runs several companies that are financially backed by Rex Sinkfield. One of those is Grow Missouri. So that that might sound familiar to you. That is one of the the lead consultants um, that was serving the city's airport privatization working group. Mm. So Travis is also the CEO and co-founder of another company called Palapidus, which is heavily funded by Rex Sinkfield as well. Um, That organization, Palapidus, has donated nearly $400,000 to this campaign effort. So that's sort of the connection there. Okay. And originally, we know back when the city was still pursuing this through the mayor-led process, that process had all begun um, because it was something that uh, the former mayor, Francis Slay, had brought to Rexingfield. Rexingfield was interested in subsidizing that effort. He's still involved now in helping finance bringing this to the ballot. Um, So it sounds like we'll know in the coming month or month Uh, whether or not this thing is going to be on the ballot, but it doesn't just rest on this effort. There's also a second process underway at the St. Louis Board of Aldermen. And for those whose heads are hurting at this point, we apologize. But Corinne Ruff, walk us through what this second process is up to. Yeah, exactly. So similarly, this is also an effort, a charter amendment that basically means um, if voters, you know, get get a chance in November to decide um, whether or not they would like the mayor to be able to lease St. Louis Lambert International Airport. If they decide yes, if more than 60 percent of voters say yes, that would actually add an amendment onto our city's charter putting in place a a pretty specific plan for how to go about leasing the airport. So the other effort is going through the Board of Aldermen, as you mentioned. It's being sponsored by president of the board, Louis Reed, and then recently was co-sponsored as well by um, Alderman John Collins Muhammad. So there's been a lengthy debate about this. There was a six-hour meeting yesterday, came down to a a pretty thin vote, 14 to 11, 
passing this almost to the final stages. So as you mentioned, they could pass this finally um, by Thursday. The, the efforts are, are pretty similar to the petition gathering. They, they mirror each other in many ways. Um, the biggest one I would say is that they both set a minimum price for a deal. Um, they would only consider bids of at least $1.7 billion. They would have to uh, pay off the roughly $600 million of debt at the airport. And then they also lay up these trust funds. So what are we going to do with $1 billion? Well, the message is, hey, we want to take this significant pot of money and actually invest it into distressed neighborhoods of North St. Louis that have been neglected for a very long time. So there's some difference in the trust. Um, uh, President Reed's bill does have several additional trust funds that put money towards minority business assistant, uh, assistance, public transit infrastructure, modernizing our technology in some of our city departments. So there's a, there's a couple of new things. Um, there were several amendments also added on within the, the Board of Aldermen process. Um, some of that means, hey, there's no money going towards Tower Grove and Forest Park and, and the money set aside for parks because those parks get a lot of private funding. Mm. Um, so there's, there's certainly differences um, between, you know, so where some of that money is going to be going. So what happens if both of these get approved, if the signatures that are gathered end up being valid enough to put this on the ballot? And at the same time, the Board of Aldermen takes this vote, possibly as early as Thursday, to put this on the ballot. Um, what happens then? So there is a very real possibility that voters could be faced with two pretty similar airport ballot issues in November. And we'll have to choose between them? Yeah, I mean, theoretically, you could vote for both of them. Um, I don't exactly know what would happen if, if both of them passed. It is a pretty steep bar getting 60% of the voters to approve something like this. But, you know, potentially voters could be having to look at the details of the language that's presented before them and try to parse out, hey, am I for one? Am I not for one? Or are both fine with me? Or am I against both of them? Wow. Well, this, <laughs> as, as I said before, if your head hurts, you're not alone on this. This is certainly wildly complicated. Corinne, there's one other thing I wanted to talk to you about before we take a quick break here, and that is the question of timing. You reported last week that there's some interesting timing in these efforts and that there seems to be a real push um, in both of them to get a lease inked by July 2021. Why would that end up being an important date there? So that is an important date. If you go back to the consultant agreement that the city signed in 2018, um, that lays out you know, what the city was um, hiring consultants to do within the airport privatization process. Um, there is a tail period provision in there. So that means that if the city does go through with a deal to lease the airport within 18 months of terminating that consulting contract, they have to pay those consulting fees anyway. So those fees are a percentage of the deal price. So if we know that the deal price is at least $1.7 billion, you can calculate that the total amount of money that would need to be paid back to all of the consultants is at least $44 million. Hmm. Um, so th that is um, some people's perspective of, of folks that I have talked to in, in recent weeks that um, the strict deadlines are, you know, you know, put put this all in perspective so that a deal would go through certainly before July 2021. If you look at both of these efforts, um, bo both the, the effort going through the Board of Aldermen as well as the petition effort, both of them look for... Um, you know, a deal to be signed, money to be, you know, handed over by April of 2021. Okay. And you spoke to Deputy City Councilor Michael Garvin. He had some thoughts about um, the, trying to place this on the ballot with that timeline. Here's what he said. 
to me, there's a clear financial motivation here. The ballot proposition has a, uh, a strict set of guidelines that, in my mind, are designed to assure that the consultants get their fees paid. And that's Deputy City Councilor Michael Garvin. Um, as you said, there was such a lengthy meeting at the Board of Aldermen yesterday. I think they debated this for something like six hours. Are other people um, expressing concern about that timing other than the City Councilor's office? Yeah, there are certainly members of the Board of Aldermen that say, hey, this is a ton of money. Why don't we just wait? Why don't we wait a year, revisit this issue when we have more time to make this bill the way that we want to make it instead of rushing it through? Um, That's gotten a lot of pushback. Um, For one, President Reed has said, you know, these consultants spent nearly two years on this and they deserve to be paid for their work. If we are able to get a billion dollars to help distressed neighborhoods, I am more than happy to pay these consultants back. Hmm. Um, so so that's sort of the justification. Um, Reed has also said we need to just put this bill and get this through now because the coronavirus pandemic has exacerbated a lot of these issues that he wants to address, like crime, poverty, and unemployment. So that's sort of the justification from proponents of this um, for, for why to do this very quickly. We're talking about the new efforts to lease St. Louis's airport to a for-profit entity. And my guest today is St. Louis Public Radio reporter Corinne Ruff, who's getting us up to speed on a whole lot of developments. If you're interested in joining our conversation, if you have questions about airport privatization, you can give us a call. We're at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation and hopefully take your calls. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, providing more than 41,000 jobs in the production of wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details at choosewood.com. And now back to our conversation. Our guest today is Corinne Ruff. She's St. Louis Public Radio's business reporter, and she's been covering airport privatization for quite some time now. There are so many developments she's getting up, to, getting us up to speed on, and we're so glad that you're here, Corinne. Um, one question I wanted to ask you before we get to um, some of our callers who would like to join us on this is that previously, critics of privatization had made a big deal about asking for a public vote. Now, this seems to be setting up a public vote. Does that that solve at least one of their concerns on this? I think that is certainly what the the argument that I have heard coming from Adolphus Pruitt, head of the uh, city's NAACP that is spearheading the, the petition gathering um, effort um, to, to put this on the ballot in November. They said, hey, you know what? You had a problem with public vote. Here's the public vote. Here's the opportunity for the public to weigh in. I think the big difference to remember is that, you know, public votes that were called for last year were largely talking about an advisory vote, a non-binding vote that would essentially take the temperature of residents in St. Louis, say, does this have enough public support for this to really go forward? The difference now is that if voters, if 60% of voters approve one of these two efforts, this would go through. This would be binding. There would be no additional need for the Board of Aldermen, for instance, to pass something. Um, The mayor would get the go-ahead to explore leasing the airport, as long as they find someone that's willing to spend at least $1.7 billion on it. If someone is willing to spend $1.7 billion, does the mayor have any ability to say no to that plan if this vote goes through and the public says yes with a big enough majority? 
So the mayor could choose to do nothing. Um, there are some provisions written into um, each of these initiatives. They differ slightly, but essentially saying that if the mayor does nothing, it would go to the president of the board of aldermen to make this decision and to pursue um, a, a deal of some kind. Mm. Um, as we were talking about earlier, there's very strict deadlines. In fact, within um, this is looking at um, president of the board of uh, president of the board of aldermen Lewis Reed's bill going through right now that. Within 30 days after approval of this amendment, that's when you start getting these bids coming in for the city. So that is a very quick timeline. As you mentioned, I've been covering this and that process was was very lengthy um, in, in the fall. It took several months even just to get requests for qualifications from companies. Um, I think some of the justification I would say from that now might be like, hey, we already know that there are at least 12 teams that are very interested and very qualified. Let's just speed up this process. Hmm. Even though, of course, the pandemic has changed so much. But as you say, that's that's a, a, a good point. Point, um, people at least know what they're getting into or knew what they were getting into pre-pandemic. I do want to go to the phone lines. We have some people hoping to join us. And if you want to um, be one of them, our phone lines are open. You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. You can also send us a tweet at STL on air. Let's go to Jean, who is calling from St. Louis. Um, Jean, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Okay. This was yesterday. A young man knocked at my door to ask if I wanted to sign a petition from the Carpenters District Council that had to do with economic development in St. Louis. And the mention of the Carpenters District Council and economic development made me think that this had something to do with airport privatization. I asked the young man if he worked with them. No, he did not. And I asked him if, you know, what more can you tell me about this? He was very sketchy in the information that he had. It's very nice. He was doing a good job being a petition gatherer, I think, very possibly a paid one. Mm -hmm. And I said, if this has to do with airport privatization, it's not something that I'm in favor of, but I would appreciate it if you could explain more clearly what it is you're asking me to sign. Mm -hmm. And I, I wonder if your guest can comment on petitions that are going around and the kinds of things that are being, um, in, in this case, very unclearly but citing economic development, trying to get my signature. Yeah, and Jean, just one quick question for you before I, I take this to Corinne, and that is when you tried to push him and you said you want to know more, but you're not in favor of airport privatization, do you feel like he had a satisfactory answer for you at that point? Uh, no. I mean, he was a real cheerful young man. Sure. I, I don't know that he was, you know, invested on this on one side of the thing or the other. I did mention that I knew that the NAACP and the Carpenters District Council had both come out in favor of this, but he just uh, the information that he was able to give me was very unclear, and he never said anything about airport privatization. Hmm. He strictly pitched it as economic development. That was my sense, yes. Okay. Well, Jean, thank you for sharing that experience. Corinne, I know that using paid uh, signature gatherers as opposed to just enthusiastic volunteers, that really is common practice for, for this type of ballot initiative. But what do you think about what Jean was saying there? Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I actually had the opportunity to meet up with some um, folks hired by the NAACP to go out and collect signatures. I think the, the thing to keep in mind is exactly what you said, Sarah. This is not necessarily people who are enthusiastic. And, and behind this, I mean, they're getting paid very well. Um, it's a very good job. I think I think it's a, a more than $15 an hour to go around and collect signatures. Um, and, you know, they're, they're not necessarily getting debriefed on everything. I think uh, when I was 
there, um, you know, listening in on a speech from Adolphus Pruitt, the head of the NAACP, a very impassioned speech about like, hey, this has the opportunity to turn around communities, especially in North St. Louis, to get rid of some of these dilapidated buildings, to invest in, in new housing and, um, you know, work on job training programs. Hmm. Um, I do know that there are two separate petition gathering sort of organizations. The one that I sat on in with was was more so um, going to neighborhoods in North St. Louis, Central West End, and that there was another group that I'm less familiar with that was sort of tackling um, South St. Louis neighborhoods. So I'm not sure where you live, Jean, but that might play into, um, you know, whether they said they were more associated with the Carpenters Union. Um, but but just to keep in mind that they, they, they might not have every single um, piece of information ab- about the effort because they, at the end of the day, they're just doing a job to collect signatures. And Jean, if you're still with us there, um, may I ask what neighborhood you live in? I live just south of Forest Park. Okay. So I am in South City. Interesting. So that might be the argument they're they're making to South City. Well, Gene, I appreciate hearing about that experience, and it's it's interesting to know what's going on on the ground. Let's go back to the phone lines. Jerry is calling from O'Fallon, Missouri. Um, Jerry, hi. You're on St. Louis on the air. Good afternoon. Uh, I began in the airline business in the late 70s uh, when Lambert was uh, a major hub, or actually two airlines. But mm. uh, um, this is just a typical essentially a money grab. I mean, this is burning the furniture. It's not good, not even in the long term. It's not good in the medium term. Uh, You know, we're going to wind up, if this goes through, paying $44 million in uh, fees, and uh, we're going to wind up with a big pot of money that's supposedly going to go to uh, neighborhoods that that need it. But I would predict uh, that uh, not a large percentage is ever going to go anywhere where we're told it's going. And in the end, what happens is in privatization, you're going to wind up, not just with airports, but you're going to wind up with a cut in, uh, you can only cut expenses in the short term to show or to, you know, bring in more money. And the resulting uh, decline in the level of service is going to wind up with a situation where we, the taxpayers, if we want to hold on to our airport, are going to be asked to come back in and, uh, and make up the difference. Jerry, that's a, that's a really depressing scenario that you well, outlined I, there. I'm not psychic, but I've been around for a long time. And, and uh, not only, as I said, airports, but almost all privatization uh, setups are just like a pyramid scheme. Well, Jerry, thank you for sharing that perspective. Um, Corinne, are people worried that um, pulling all this money out of this airport to deal with what are some very real needs in North St. Louis and and throughout the city, that this could end up seriously harming St. Louis airport operations, making it a a place that people are much less likely to want to um, have flights coming into? Yeah, absolutely. That is certainly the concern of some vocal opponents of privatization, namely the comptroller, Darlene Green. Um, I spoke with her about two weeks ago, and, and she said, you know, this these efforts are snake oil. These these things are not going to be a panacea for fixing these distressed communities. This money isn't going to go there. In fact, she views privatization as a step towards bankrupting the city of St. Louis and, and doing extreme harm to tourism and, and getting people here through through flight to visit St. Louis in this region. So she's got a, a lot of concerns about that. Um, I did, Jerry did mention that $44 million fee to consultants. And I did want to uh, read a statement from Travis Brown, if that's okay. He is um, the head of Grow Missouri, which would be receiving some of that money back. Yeah, that would be um, great I, to hear his perspective on this. Thank you, Corinne. What, what does he have to say? Yeah, I, th- I think it's important to point out. So he says, um, quote, reimbursement was not the primary motivating factor for my involvement. After Mayor Lida Krusen pulled the plug on the airport privatization process six months ago, our business 
business and elected leaders who worked against the project promised to do more studies and propose alternative solutions. Six months have passed and those opponents have done nothing. The NAACP and the Carpenters Union then stepped up with their own initiative and contacted us asking for help. We appreciate their efforts. We know they sincerely want to work to improve life for St. Louisans and fight poverty. My personal driving motivation was my love for St. Louis. I'm willing to work with any individual or organization who wants to make it a better place to live, work, and raise a family. Hmm. So that's from Travis Brown, who works with Grow Missouri. That's a a Rexingfield-funded or affiliated entity that um, is working with the NAACP to push this. Um, I want to go back to the phone lines. Chad is calling from St. Louis. Um, Chad, what's your perspective on all this? You know, I'm really against this. I think it's a a money grab. I think people have... uh, uh, identified certain constituencies and said, look, if we get all this money, you're going to get a big chunk of this. You better be for it. And um, <clears throat> I don't really think that's the way that a decision should be made. I think that this is a um, an asset that the city has and should be proud of and shouldn't be sold, <clears throat> in my opinion, to the highest bidder. Well, thank you so much for that perspective, Chad. I appreciate you calling. We also got an email from Tom, and he writes, My comment is that the consultants deserve nothing. Consultants that sign on for a study with a payment contingent on a particular result are not objective, and their results are suspect. They only find what they will be paid for. We should ignore their findings in full. And, Corinne, this goes back to the sort of the original terms of the deal back when the mayor was was more part of this process, um, which basically said that these entities only do get paid if this deal goes through. Right, exactly. Um, I wanted to ask you about one other thing. We've been talking a lot about the Carpenters Union being in favor. Have other unions come out um, in support of this as well? Yeah, so as you mentioned, they're spearheading the petition effort. The United Food and Commercial Workers Union, the UFCW, recently signed on in support of it. Um, Notably, earlier this week, though, another union, SEIU Local 1, is, is against this. So they represent about 100 airport janitorial workers, and they've been concerned, you know, even during the city back process. I spoke with some of their janitors last year who said, we don't know their plan. We have no idea how this might affect our, un- our, our employment here, um, our collective bargaining. And I think, you know, some unions, including SEIU Local 1, have, have concerns about future contracts. Um, there might be provisions written into each of these um, ballot initiatives that say, hey, unions are, are okay, they they need to, um, you know, a new operator would have to um, acknowledge that. But I think there is concern about what happens in three years when those contracts um, are up. Or do they have to start those negotiations over from scratch or do they have any kind of protections? Hmm, that's a great question. And I know certainly in other privatization efforts in other cities, that has ended up really becoming a sticking point at issue. Uh, We also heard from Don, who just sent us an email, and he asks, why are the NAACP and the Carpenters for the privatization? Now, I can say we've had Adolphus Pruitt on this show. Corinne, I know you've talked to him as well. He's been saying that that why he supports this is he sees a big influx of money for North City um, and that this is a way to deal with the most impoverished communities and get them to the big cash payday they need to turn things around. But I haven't really heard as much of an explanation of why the Carpenters Union is in favor of this. Corinne, is that something that that um, you've spoken to them about or talked to people who've spoken to them about? 
Yeah, I have spoken with Al Bond, um, the head of that group before. Um, as far as I know, I think he just sees a lot of potential at the airport. Um, we do know that there, there, you know, is a lot of unused land around the airport. The issue with developing that, of course, is that you need to pay down the bulk of the debt before you can develop that land. And they view this as an opportunity. Hey, we can pay that off. We can get some people to work building, um, you know, you know, maybe we have um, certain distribution logistics centers out there, some hmm. way to use this sort of vacant land. So I think they view it as an opportunity for, you know, development and certainly for, for good um, construction and Carpenters Union type jobs. Now, Corinne, as we heard from Mayor Krusen earlier on the show, back when we talked to her in December, and we also heard from some of our callers today, there are certainly a lot of people in that grassroots position or even in the business community who have a lot of concerns about airport privatization. Yet this does seem to be headed to the ballot. Do we know if there's anybody um, with deep pockets or the ability to raise money um, who's planning to set up a campaign to advocate for the no side when it comes to these propositions or proposition? That is a really good question. Um, I, I do not know. I have been, you know, talking to some business folks, and I think there's just there's a lot of waiting and seeing, sort of where these two efforts go. Um, there's a lot of questions still. Um, so, so no, I, I'm also waiting to see, sort of, if if there will be a, a larger opposition movement besides what we've seen so far from a couple of unions and a couple of. Um, small local organizations. I do think it is worth pointing out that um, we do not know exactly where Mayor Lida Krusen stands on this. Um, last week, she said notably that both of these uh, proposals have some problems, and she noted that very large consulting fee that the city will potentially have to pay back if they go through a, a lease before next summer. Um, but, you know, she's been trying to say, look, my priority is making sure the airport gets their flights, you know, during this pandemic and after this. But, you know, they'll figure it out if voters approve it. Hmm. That's very interesting. And it that's going to be one thing, I think, to keep an eye on as this story develops. What else is on your radar where in these coming uh, weeks or, or even months that you're going to be uh, paying some attention to? Well, I am really curious to see, of course, you know, whether these efforts, if both of them land in the ballot, what that will mean, what will be the education to voters for, you know, what these two proposals could actually mean for city residents. Um, and, and for me, I think one of the the big questions on my mind is, what is the future of, of Lambert Airport? I mean, the, the pandemic is certainly having a, a very major impact on air travel of all kind and tourism. And, and I've been trying to look at, you know, what what does development and growth look like at this airport privatization or not? Mm -hmm. um, certainly we have an airport commission that thinks about these long-term strategic goals. And, and I'm wondering, you know, how those are changing how they're being influenced by, you know, consistent talk of privatization. Does that derail any long-term issues or are things already being derailed enough because of this pandemic? Hmm. Well, there is so much to keep an eye on with this story. And I have a feeling that it won't be long before we have to have you back on again for that very reason. <laughs> so St. Louis Public Radio reporter Corinne Ruff, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today. Yeah, thank you, Sarah. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio. That's 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association 
committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.